Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow, Friday Fantasy 15 edition for week six. It's a quick run through of my main fantasy takeaways from the week. We know you're busy, so we try to keep it to 15 minutes. A few notes before we dive in uh, about the week's structure. We've got eight games in the early window, three in the afternoon. They're really good games in the afternoon this week. Buffalo KC, which has the highest expected point total of the week at 54. Also the Cardinals Seahawks at 50 and a half points. Cowboys Eagles is on Sunday night. That one should be fun to watch. And Broncos Chargers is on Monday. It's also the first week that we have teams on a bye, and there are four of them, and that's made fantasy much tougher this week, particularly, in my opinion, at the running back spot. We do not have access to the Lions or the Raiders, the Texans or the Titans, so make sure to get any players on any of those teams out of your lineup. As for who to put in, let's get started. I've got 15 on the clock. Let's go ahead and break the huddle. Let's go! Two on, two on, two. Ready? All right, starting with the quarterback position, it's going to be a big backup weekend again. Andy Dalton starting for the Saints against his former squad. For those of you into revenge narratives, he is 2-0 against the Bengals. Skylar Thompson will get his first start for the Dolphins. The seventh-round rookie quarterback came in almost immediately last week after Bridgewater went out with a concussion, didn't have any reps with the ones prior to that. Now he does. We'll see what that looks like. Another backup quarterback we'll see this week, P.J. Walker, getting the start for Carolina, though Baker Mayfield is listed as doubtful and not out for that game. Remember, he will have a brand new head coach in that contest. Also, Matt Rule having been fired earlier this week, Steve Wilkes taking over as interim head coach. We still don't know if it'll be Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi for New England. The former is listed as questionable. Also questionable, interestingly, Dak Prescott who could be available as a backup quarterback for Sunday's game against the Eagles. It sounds like they're expecting Cooper Rush to start, and this is just a step in Dak's development. I'm guessing that you were starting absolutely none of the people that I've mentioned so far, except out of maybe desperation or in a super flex league. As for the guys that you are starting, or at least are thinking about starting, I know one of the biggest questions out there this week is, can we trust Geno Smith. I finally went in on Goff last week and told people to play him, and that did not work out well for me. And frankly, I'm wary that we will see a game like that for Geno and Seattle soon, but I do not think that it will be this week. Arizona is allowing the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They are bottom 10 in points allowed. Their coverage grade ranks last in the league, according to PFF. I think that this game will be close, and I think that Geno will continue to have success. Will he remain the number one graded quarterback in the league? I don't know, but I think he'll be playable for you in fantasy for at least another week. And in daily, he allows you a lot of flexibility at other positions. He's priced at just $5,700. Matthew Stafford is $500 more expensive than he is. So imagine what that allows you to get into your lineup at other positions. I also like Tom Brady at $6,300 against the Steelers. I think it's notable that Tampa Bay had a 21-0 lead last week heading into the fourth quarter and still finished with 52 pass attempts. Brady's volume has increased steadily every single week this year. Don't expect it to go up from 52, but I do think that what we've seen these last couple of weeks, this is a little bit more... uh, what the offense is expected to look like moving forward. I expect things to level out somewhere closer to this ballpark than the ballpark that they were in earlier in the season. Plus, in this matchup, Pittsburgh will be without their top three cornerbacks and Minka Fitzpatrick. 
on Sunday. I don't really love many other options in the early window. Maybe Kirk Cousins against the Dolphins, allowing the second most points to quarterbacks. If you are including the afternoon window for daily, I, I, I think this is the week to pay up for Josh Allen. If you ever are going to do that, he's $8,200, but the game environment against the Chiefs is absolutely perfect. It's competitive. The game has the highest point total of the week, and the Chiefs are allowing the sixth most points per game to quarterbacks. It's a smash spot for Josh, as far as I'm concerned. At running back, Saquon was on the injury report this week, but he came off the report on Friday, so he is good to go. It looks like we will see Jonathan Taylor also for the Colts. Officially, he's listed as questionable, but he did get back to practice this week. It sounds like he's expected to play against Jacksonville. Now we'll just see if he can turn things around after a couple of rough outings. James Conner and Daryl Williams are both out against the Seahawks, so fire up those shares of Eno Benjamin that you got on the waiver wire and throw yourself a party that you had priority. And keep in mind, too, that the Cardinals play on Thursday next week, so Conner and Williams will have less time to get better. So you might get two games out of him, and this one in particular against Seattle, I expect to be a very good matchup for him. Cam Akers is out. McVay says the team is working through some things with him. Uh, We don't know exactly what's going on. We do know that Daryl Henderson, though, all of a sudden becomes pretty playable because the carries will go through him in Los Angeles. We're not splitting them up in that backfield. And the matchup, Vegas expects it to be very good for the Rams. They are 10.5-point favorites against Carolina. Personally, I'm a little scared of the first game under an interim coach thing. Historically, those games tend to go to the team with the interim coach. In fact, since 2010, those teams are 14 and 9 straight up despite being underdogs in 16 of those 23 games. And in cases where the coach was fired before week 6, so early in the season like this, that team won 5 of 6 matchups. So Vegas sees Carolina as a massive dog. I think it's possible that dog will bite on Sunday. I am taking Carolina, but that's just me. Did you guys see this Najee Harris steel plate story? So we all know he's started pretty slowly this season. Is this part of the reason? He told reporters on Friday that he had played the first five games with a steel plate in his shoe. Says it was part of his recovery process from that foot injury that he suffered during training camp. Remember there was that back and forth about whether or not it was a Liz Frank and then he re-aggravated it. Well, now he says it's 100%, says the plate is gone. And we will see if that is reflected in his production moving forward. It's a tough week to expect a big turnaround from him, though, against Tampa Bay. But maybe it's reason for optimism moving forward. Or at least there's an explanation? Maybe? I'm sure some of you saw that Jalen Warren outsnapped him last week. I think it's important to keep the game environment in mind, though, when you see stuff like that. Game was totally out of hand, and Warren took over the work. Once what that that was the case. That's kind of what happened to Devin Singletary in his game, too. He only scored five fantasy points. What the Bills have done this year is start rotating running backs in when they have comfortable leads. So his snap share in those situations goes way down. And I think that, frankly, that's smart for them to do it for the obvious reasons for the long run. They want to get other guys on the team to have some game experience and get them ready for the stretch run. This week's game against Kansas City is obviously going to be more competitive competitive for Buffalo than last week's game against Pittsburgh was. And that translates 
to a better role for Devin Singletary. And Casey is allowing the third most fantasy points to running backs, especially running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield, which he does. See what Josh Jacobs did against him last week. I think Singletary is in line for a very good game, and he's also inexpensive in dailies, priced at $5,900. I also love Brees Hall in that price range this week, and Ramondre Stevenson too. Stevenson is $6,000 on DraftKings. Hall is $5,800. Hall coming off a game in which he had 97 yards rushing, and 100 yards receiving. So there was a 79-yard catch in there, which clearly inflated that number. But still, you guys, he has more yards from scrimmage on the year than Leonard Fournette, than Dalvin Cook, than Joe Mixon. He is an explosive run guy, sixth in the league in runs of 10 yards or more, and also fifth in targets per route run. That is the combination that we're looking for in fantasy. As for Stevenson, Damian Harris's injury essentially leaves him alone in that Patriots backfield, or at least appears to. That said, I I don't think that's how Belichick coaches. I don't think he's going to be like, oh, well, I guess it's you. I'm sure he's going to plug someone else in there uh, that we're not expecting, but there will definitely be an opportunity for Stevenson. And the Browns are not good at stopping the run. They've allowed 200 plus yards on the ground in the last two straight games. And they have the lowest rush defense DVOA. So this is your week. If you've got Stevenson, get excited. By the way, for daily purposes, I've got a lineup where I have Stevenson, Hall, and Singletary all in there, all $6,000 or less. It lets me get up to Allen and some of the high-end wide receivers, which I will get to in just a second. First, though, I want to name check Melvin Gordon, who's playing on Monday night against the Chargers. They are allowing the most fantasy points to running backs, 32 a game. We have seen three straight running backs rush for over 100 and score a touchdown against them. Gordon saw a lot of volume last week. I think that the yards per carry will go up because of the matchup, and so does the potential for a touchdown if the Broncos make, say, a different decision or two in the red zone this week. And honestly, if there is a week when they will probably make a point of running the ball in those situations, don't you think it'll be this week after what happened last week? As for the Jaguars running backs... Has Etienne taken over the backfield? I know this has been a big question this week, something a lot of people have taken a look at. The short answer for me is no, but. Okay, there are a few things this week that point me in the direction of Travis Etienne, and also, frankly, a few that point me in the direction of James Robinson. So let's start to break this down with Etienne first. Uh, First off, he outsnapped Robinson last week. So his usage is going up, but part of that is because they haven't been playing with a lead. So as the pass catching third down guy, he's going to get a lot more action. So our projections here require us to decide whether we think that's likely to continue to be the case. And I realized that got harder when it was the case against Houston of all teams. Look, we all saw Indy last Thursday night. And it's just hard for me to imagine Robinson getting scripted out of a game against that offense, especially considering Indy will not have Shaquille Leonard or Quiddy Pay on defense. They've both been ruled out. That said, I think we need to keep our eye on Robinson's yards per carry average. It was very low last week, just 2.7. And back in week two, when he had a great fantasy outing against the Colts, he only averaged 2.8. Scored two touchdowns, which is why the fantasy total was high, but he didn't exactly have a great game against them. And 
while the Colts are allowing 22 points per game to running backs this year, they're actually doing a good job slowing down the run where they're getting hurt by running backs is in the passing game. They've allowed the second most receiving yards to running backs. So that kind of points us to ETN. So I guess long story short, I think they're both playable in season long, but I don't really love either of them in DFS. Same for Miles Sanders. Frankly, I loved what I saw with regard to his usage last week, did not score a touchdown. Um, and that obviously affects his output, but he's got the Cowboys this week, and I am not trying to target borderline guys against that defense. Aaron and A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, sorry, I don't know what, he's just a first-name guy. Aaron, you know Aaron. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon scored 10 points and 3.4 points, respectively, last week against the Giants. This week, they've got the Jets, who just allowed 113 yards on the ground to Raheem Mostert, who averaged 6.3 yards per carry. I think that Aaron in particular, let's go back to the first name basis. I think Aaron in particular is an interesting play in that matchup. Also, I think it could be a week for Alvin Kamara. Another good week, I should say. The matchup is not particularly great. Cincinnati's allowing the third fewest points per game to running backs, but I'll be shocked if Kamara is not a massive part of the game plan anyway, because New Orleans is hemorrhaging wide receivers. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Deontay Hardy are all ruled out. And Olave is questionable. He's still in the concussion protocol. He could be a game-time decision. So either way, I feel like this maybe points to us firing up Taysom Hill again this week because they're going to need playmakers. And as mentioned, Kamara is A1 in that department for them. I think they got to feed him. As for the other side of that game, Marshawn Lattimore is out for New Orleans, which is kind of good news for the Bengals receivers, specifically Jamar Chase. I don't know yet if we're going to see T. Higgins. He's dealing with an ankle injury, returned to practice on Friday for a walkthrough. He's listed as questionable. Sounds like he could be a game-time decision. If he can't go, Tyler Boyd, I think, gets a little bit more interesting. Rashad Bateman is out for Baltimore, so Devin Duvernay is playable again. You should know, though, that the Giants allow the third fewest points per game to receivers. It's not an incredible matchup for Duvernay, but he should see enough volume to pick up double digits for you. He scored 12 points last week, as did Chris Godwin. Not exactly what I was expecting from him. I told you here last week that he was one of my favorite plays of the week. It's not bad, just again, not what I was expecting. I did not foresee his usage being what it was. Only ran 27 routes on 53 dropbacks. Greg Amon, who has been on this show before, friend of the show, and covers the team, tweeted that he thought it was them playing it safe with him, with the lead. If that is the case, that's got to be something that is, again, on our radar this week because they are 11.5-point favorites against the Steelers. But I still like him in this matchup against Pittsburgh as well as Evans, frankly. Steelers just got torched by Buffalo through the air. They're allowing the most fantasy points to wide receivers, 48 points per game to wide receivers. They've allowed nine touchdowns to wide receivers. They are right there at the bottom of the league, you guys, in yards allowed. Like the Steelers are at the bottom, and then you've got Detroit right on top of them, and then you've got Pittsburgh. Third third worst. That's how bad things are for Pittsburgh this year. So this is not like the Pittsburgh Steelers defense that we have grown to expect. This is different this year. And so I expect big things from Tampa this week. Uh, And I also mentioned uh, Pittsburgh's 
many, many injuries in the defensive backfield, three corners, and then Minka Fitzpatrick already ruled out. I also really like Debo Samuel against Atlanta. You saw what Fournette did against the Falcons last week. 14 rush attempts for 56 yards and a touchdown. 11 targets, 10 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Doesn't that line feel like a Debo-esque line? Plus, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but he was targeted nine times last week. He only caught the ball twice. I feel like that is a positive regression stat if there ever was one. He will get back on track this week. Uh, Christian Kirk scored 2.1 points last week. I'm pretty sure that that will rebound also, but I am a little bit concerned about him for a few reasons. One, The offense has not looked good these last few weeks in Jacksonville, and he has been hugely affected by that. Just three targets last week, one catch, and it was Houston, you guys. We're not talking about Dallas or Philly here. We were the week before when he also posted single digits against Philadelphia in a game where he was targeted nine times and only caught two of those balls. So two things. One, we've got a quarterback completing 50% of his passes in the last two games, and not just in hard matchups. And two, we have a situation where they might be using him every once in a while as bait to open things up for other people. Though admittedly, this might not be that week. Both of the Joneses are listed as questionable. Marvin and Zay both banged up. Christian Kirk did have his best game of the year against Indianapolis in week two, but on the year, Indy is allowing the fewest points per game to wide receivers. So I'm seeing a lot of Christian Kirk as a smash spot play in DFS this week. And I think I'm in a minority that thinks that it's not such a sure thing. So yes, I will 100% be playing him in season long. I'm not putting him on my bench, not at all. But I'm going to sit this one out in daily. I am going to be playing George Pickens because the price is right, just $4,600, and I very much like his upside. I think we can all agree that based on what we've seen, he has immense talent, and I expect that to rise to the surface in fantasy sooner rather than later. That said, I do want to point out that we may have overreacted just a little bit to the Pickett loves throwing to Pickens and beware of Deontay Johnson thing. Last week, Deontay Johnson not only led the Steelers in targets with 13, but his ADOT jumped up to 13.6, while Pickens dropped from 20 in week four to an ADOT of 12 in week five. DJ has long been a high volume, low ADOT guy. So again, small sample size, trailing in a game, throwing a ton, needing big plays. But I think it's an interesting thing for us to track moving forward with a brand new quarterback. And frankly, I think they're going to be in these situations a lot this year. Could be this week against Tampa Bay game, as I've mentioned already, as the biggest spread of the week, Bucks favored by 11 and a half. I think that's a good thing for all of the Steelers receivers in fantasy, even though the matchup is a tough one. Tampa Bay's defense obviously is very good, but I expect the volume to be there. And back to the Pickens point, especially when the defense is good, I think you want to bet on the guy with the flashy athletic talent. Who is most likely to win a one-on-one for you and go make a play? I kind of think that's him. Higher up the board, I love Diggs at $8,400 this week. He's tough to pair with Allen because of the price point and uh, forced to choose between the two, I would go Allen. But I do like Diggs a lot. Also like Gabe Davis too. Remember, this is the team, KC, that he burned for four touchdowns last year in the playoffs. 
Packers will not have Christian Watson this week. The rookie wideout ruled out, and LaFleur actually talked a little bit this week about the possibility of shutting him down for a little bit of time because of his recurring hamstring injuries. So we could be looking at a short-term IAR stint for the rookie wide receiver, and that scares me a little bit that he might not really get things going this year. As for the tight ends, and I know I'm past 15 minutes, we're going to wrap this up quickly. Uh, Fryermuth is out. He has a concussion. I love Zach Ertz against the Seahawks, who gave up 39 fantasy points to TJ Hawkinson two weeks ago and 45 combined points to Taysom Hill and Adam Troutman last week. I also love the other tight end in that game, Will Disley from Seattle, who has scored in double digits three times this year. Arizona is allowing the second most points per game to tight ends, an average of 19. In daily, he's just $3,100 as opposed to Ertz, who's listed at $4,900. So he's a bigger risk, but he's also a bigger value. And speaking of value, holy heck, you guys, the Panthers are the cheapest defense on the main slate. Look, I almost never talk about fantasy defenses on this podcast because I want to keep it brief. And half the time I punt the position in daily to save money anyway. But $2,400 for a team that is playing the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who is tied for the league lead in interceptions and tied for third in sacks. I don't know how that happened, but I'm grateful it did because I cannot recall the last time that I played a defense that I actually thought might be a good play in daily. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, as always, for hanging with us. If you enjoyed the episode, I would really appreciate it if you'd hit that five-star button on the way out. Maybe leave a review. Definitely subscribe so that Monday's week six review episode is right there waiting for you as soon as it is out. Big thanks to Andrew Emmer, as always, for producing today's episode, which is a part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the games. I hope you win your matchups. And I'll see you back here again on Monday. Serious XM Podcasts.